Hello, everybody. It is Tim. It's the honor roll. Episode 14, the final episode of 2022. I am here. You know how we do things here. I've got my D. Snyder coffee, Guatemalan blend. Uh, D. Snyder from Twisted Sister, lead singer, makes a coffee for dead. I don't think he makes it. I guess he approves it and stamps his name on his, stamps his face on the bag. It's quite good, though. It's called D. Snyder's for the Love of Coffee. It's Dead Sled Coffee Company. They do a bunch of different ones. They do a Savini. Savini's got his name on there. Kane Hodder, which I think I've reviewed on this podcast before. Uh, they are not a sponsor. I just enjoy their product. I enjoy D. Snyder's product as well. I enjoy Twisted Sister. But we're not here to review any more coffee. We're here to review a bit of a coffee snob. I think I gave the uh, 7-Eleven coffee a thumbs down on here one time. Uh, I take that back. I think it was just a bad batch because I've had 7-Eleven coffee before and it's it's good. It's good. Nothing wrong with the 7-Eleven exclusive blend. Uh, I just want to I just want to correct a mistake I've made on here this year because what's what's all about in 2022 is resolutions and I resolve to be better. All right, we talk about five movies here and then we I pick out the ones I really like and place them on the honor roll, which is just a list of movies on an Excel document that you can find on our Discord. I upload it all the time, uh, keep it up to date. And you can get that by checking out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash MidwestPodNet. But yeah, five movies. I pick out the ones that I really like, and I talk about them a little bit. So let's get started. This is going to be the last one of the year. We've got, uh, this is, I ended at 75 movies exactly for the year 2022. I missed a couple. I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to go out and see the menu in theaters. And I don't think it's on VOD and it's the Christmas season, honestly, and I'm broke. So even if it is that $20 VOD, it ain't happening. Uh, same for, uh, the, uh, bones and all. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to see it. So maybe they would have made it. I don't know. I guess we'll never know. You will just have to find one of the million other top 10 lists out there to see if it made it on one of those. Because it's not gonna, they're not going to make it on mine. What might make it, though, is Resurrection. Margaret's life is in order. She is capable, disciplined, and successful. Everything is under control until David returns. David is played by Tim Roth. Always an issue. Always, always worrisome when Tim Roth shows up even if his uh, even if his name is something as nice as David uh that is carrying with him the horrors of Margaret's past directed by Andrew Siemens Simmons probably Simmons um he's only done one other movie called Nancy please uh, Nancy please uh which is described as a twisted diabolical comedic tale of revenge that will make you think twice about who you choose as your next roommate well i think you should Think twice about that, period. You're going to be living with that person. I think it's okay to think a second time about the person you may or may not be living with for a, quite an extended period of time. So, But apparently that's a twisted, diabolical, diabolical comedic tale of revenge. Um, well, good. This is kind of twisted and diabolical. I don't know if I'd call it comedic, though. There is one very funny moment that I'll talk about. He also wrote the film. This stars the terrific Rebecca Hall. Uh, Tim Roth, of course, and Grace Kaufman. I want to start real quick about... This is a Shudder exclusive release, which means that it was made by somebody else and they released it, released it exclusively on Shudder. They've had some recent layoffs, and first, my heart goes out to them. 
anybody that was laid off there, especially around this time of year. But James Dolan, I did not realize James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks and MSG Entertainment owns AMC. And if you can believe it, the owner of the Knicks is doing a poor job of managing things. But they had some subscriber losses. They thought that they could cancel out those subscriber losses due to streaming. Um, it has not worked out. Their estimates were wrong. This was his quote. It was our belief that core cutting losses would be offset by gains in streaming. This has not been the case. This kind of sums up a lot of what these big mega media conglomerates are going through right now. I don't think they know what they're doing. I think we're in this weird in-between state, this kind of liminal space where it's in-between. Everybody feels the death of cable TV coming, but not everybody is ready and won't be, honestly, until sports move over to some streaming service and all of the sports move over to some street, especially the NFL. The NFL is the big one. And I just saw yesterday that I think like the NFL is signing with Sunday Ticket, is signing Sunday Ticket with YouTube TV. So who knows? That could even delay it even longer. So we're in this weird kind of space where these these corporations, they don't know what they're doing as far as streaming. Everybody thinks eventually people are just going to move to streaming and then cable TV will die. But we're still, we're still a bit away from that. Um, and this is unfortunate. It's been happening across all the networks. As far as Shudder itself, I worry about a couple things, especially with Shudder. The first up is the performance of the app itself, which has always been kind of wonky, obviously. The technical side of things on Shudder has never been the greatest, and that's uh, not an insult to anybody involved, but it is a wonky app, and it's only going to get worse with the layoffs. Um, Shudder, the other thing I worry about with Shudder, though, and probably pertains more to this podcast is the content, the exclusive content. Uh, Shutter is a great deal for what it is. And part of the reason is the exclusive content and the curation of that exclusive content. The thing was something I love Tubi, but the thing with Tubi is it is like walking through. If you remember the old two for one section at the video store and essentially what the two for one section was, it was older movies and they weren't the more popular movies a lot of the time, but it was what, what the movie store had left in stock. They just shifted over to the two for a dollar section and you can find some great movies in there and you can find some fun movies in there, but you would have to do some digging and you would have to do some testing. And it was, it was organized alphabetically Tubi, I don't even think is organized alphabetically. It's just the wild west in there. Shutter does a great job of curation, both with its exclusive content. I have not loved everything, every exclusive release from Shutter, but at the very least, I found the vast majority, 90% of their releases interesting. And that's because they do such a great job of picking out kind of off the grid stuff that their audience will enjoy. And I am part of their audience. I'm a day one Shutter subscriber and I will be till the end of it. Um, of course, the Joe Bob thing runs regularly and that's that's a big hit for them. But I'm worried that it'll get axed or rolled in in favor of the bigger AMC app. And what worries me about that isn't so much the big stuff disappearing, but kind of that curation, that organization organization that I think Shudder has done so well since the beginning. So hopefully everything works out all right. I am a little bit worried, though, about Shudder. But I will continue to support, support it because that's all you really can do is support the things that you enjoy and the things that you love. So there you go. That's I just wanted to say that. Um, anyway, uh, where was I? Resurrection. I really like this movie. Rebecca Hall 
continues to kill it. She was great last year in the Bruckner movie that I really dug. I can't remember if I put it on my honor roll off the top of my head. Uh, I know I put it on the honor roll. I can't remember if it made my top 10, but uh, The Night House. She's very good at this kind of adult-aimed horror movie. This is in that vein. Rebecca Hall, though, kills it in one scene in particular that I want to make mention of. It is about halfway through the movie, I believe, and it's kind of a... It's kind of a, like a five or six minute unbroken take, unbroken close up of her as she kind of unloads her deepest, darkest secrets on an intern that works for her. And she's phenomenal in the scene. And this is this is where I mentioned the darkly comedic uh, side of things, because it's a very funny moment because the intern just kind of after all of this, after she unloads her very dark past on her. Uh, the intern just kind of like stares and goes, okay, what? <laughs> so it's funny, but it's funny in the way that you're not supposed to laugh at it. And that's my favorite kind of humor. Uh, this is, uh, this is kind of a mix of this sets up in a way, kind of like your standard thriller. I'm thinking like, kind of like back when, um, Ashley Judd used to make those kind of like James Patterson-esque thrillers back in the 90s. Kind of your standard, straightforward thriller. That's the hook. And then about halfway through, as we go along with Rebecca Hall and as her mental states kind of mental state kind of deteriorates, then we get into some of the more some of the weirder uh kind of freak out stuff. Possession. The Zulowski film is the one that kept coming to mind for me. And without giving too much away, not so much how intense it gets, because it's not as intense as that. And if you haven't seen that, go check it out. It's Possession is the name of the movie. Uh, stars Sam Neill. Um, but in terms of subject matter and theme, that it's very similar to that. I think this uh, uh, this is on my honor roll. It's a great mix of what I love, which is, yeah, kind of that adult horror, but mixed with a little bit of, uh, sprinkled with a little bit of schlockiness on top. And I really dug this, and it's a great second feature, I guess. Uh, I probably won't uh, seek out Nancy, please. Um, honestly, it's, it's too, it's, it's gone. But I did like this quite a bit. And yes, it is on my honor roll. All right, it's Cronenberg time, ladies and gentlemen. David Cronenberg, not Brandon. Uh, who I know, I like Brandon Cronenberg. Crimes of the future. Humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations. With his partner Caprice, Saul Tenser, celebrity performance artist, publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances. If that's not a David Cronenberg plot description, I don't know what is. Written and directed by David Cronenberg. I believe he's been kicking this around since the 2000s. It was called something else. He made a movie called Crimes of the Future. uh, A short film, I believe. Back in the day. Back in the way back in the day. But this is his first script since existence. Uh, His first original script. Yeah, Painkillers is what it was called. Um, It was in development in 2002. Had Nicolas Cage attached to it. Uh, But he wrote and directed this one. This stars, not Nicolas Cage... But his frequent collaborator in uh, Viggo Mortensen, Viggo Mortensen, it also stars Leia Sado and Kristen Stewart. 
Cronenberg, of course, this movie very much reminds me of his early Canadian stuff. Uh, I'm thinking like Shivers, uh, probably like The Brood a little bit. The body horror is there. Um, but yeah, Cronenberg, Canadian director, came up during those that kind of Canadian tax shelter era of the late 70s, mid to late 70s. He's known a lot of the Canadian work is kind of associated with Canada, but I like to read the IMD trivia page after I finish a movie. Just as, It's a nice way to, and if I want to dig deeper, I can through interviews and stuff, but this, it's a nice uh, curation, I guess it would be a nice word for it, of kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff. But sometimes the IMD trivia pages, uh, sometimes it takes a turn. This one takes a turn. Uh, someone, someone in the trivia page calls his ass out. David Cronenberg calls him out. I'm going to read him off here. While writer-director David Cronenberg has repeatedly said during his career that Canada needs its artists to be up front and showcase, for some reason, all the marquee actors he cast in this movie, Viggo Mortensen, Viggo Mortensen Lee Kornowski, and Leah Sado, were not Canadian actors. Hmm. Six of 32 people found this interesting. I guess the other 26 are like uh, are not like me. I found this very interesting, but uh, and kind of like a gossipy, like a like a scandalized sort of way. This is the other one. I, I'm betting this is the same person and I'm betting they might be Canadian. Uh, they say while writer director, David Cronenberg has repeatedly stated during his career, that it's important to have Canada for Canada to have its own culture displayed on movie screens for unknown reasons. He placed the setting of this movie in an unidentified location with no distinctly Canadian elements displayed. Uh, what do you got to say to that, Cronenberg? I thought Canadians were all nice. I thought that was a thing. But apparently, the IMDb trivia here for this movie says otherwise. Uh, this is a great movie. Uh, we just did the Summer of Cronenberg on the podcast. I think that deepened my appreciation for this one. We took a look at... It was the Summer of 80s Cronenberg. I think specifically... This reminded me a lot of Scanners and kind of the world it built... And kind of the kind of the noirish elements, and also the um, kind of like the government conspiracy, kind of weighing on people and kind of lingering around the corners. That happens a lot in Cronenberg's early movies, and uh, it's definitely on display here. The performances are all good across the board. Viggo Mortensen very good in this. Um, I'm not as crazy about Kristen Stewart as everybody else, but she's good here. Leah Sado is the one I single out, though. I think she's phenomenal in this. And Cronenberg's weird. Sometimes um, sometimes his movies are quite sexy, but sometimes they are a little bit cold calculating. And sexy is not how I would uh, describe a lot of his movies, but man, oh boy, Leah Sado. She brings it here. Uh, she does. And there is a scene in particular that involves her... I'm just going to spoil it. She performs oral sex on a gaping wound. Um, boy. And uh, she makes it work. She makes a lot of things work here. And I think uh, I think she's the standout performance in this movie. I think this is actually one of Cronenberg's more hopeful movies where it's definitely got those body horror elements. And it's best... It's, it's a lot about humans losing kind of ownership of their body as we get further and further along. 
surgery is the new sex, as they say. But as as we begin to meld with kind of uh, with technology, and it, there is that element of it too. But I think this is one of more his more hopeful movies because it's it's kind of about how we are going to live with that. Um, the the mystery element, the detective element, the kind of noir element, it's okay, <laughs> but it's not why I'm here. Cronenberg uh, is a vibe, as they say. It's also about art and artist and the kind of the triumph of art and the triumph of true art in the face of certain death. And it's kind of a it's kind of existential horror, and not only with the main character but humanity as a whole. And it finds a way to. Like, yeah, get across some hope. And I really dug that because that doesn't always happen uh, with Cronenberg movies. Uh, I really, really like this. I want to get one of Vigo's Orca bed chairs. Um, basically, this just, I, I, I don't know how this works, but uh, he's in con- Vigo's in constant pain in this chair. Just kind of moves him around a lot while he eats. It looks, it looks quite fun. It looks like a pain in the ass to eat, but he's got to do what he's got to do. Uh, anyway... Yeah, this is on the honor roll. I really liked Crimes of the Future. And uh, yeah, this might make my top 10. Who knows? Who knows? I guess we'll find out soon. But yeah, Crimes of the Future on the honor roll. All right. I'm going to do something I have not done on this podcast before. On the honor roll before. I'm going to combine two movies here. Because I have issues. I have the same issues. The same issue, I think, with... uh, both of these movies. I don't want to talk about either one of them too much because here's the thing. I'll be upfront with everybody. I don't know what I'm doing with this, uh, just in general. But I don't know uh, if I'm going to continue this on, this honor roll on next year. I've got some stuff in my personal life that's going to take priority <laughs> over. And it's been tough to keep up, honestly. Like I said, I missed the menu and I missed uh, Bones and All. And I think uh, those are two movies that I think I would really enjoy. So it's 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 getting harder for me to keep up, especially with movies that are theatrical only releases. And I started this in a during a time where everything was going to VOD, which was perfect for me because I don't like leaving the house. But yeah, it's getting harder for me to get uh, reviewing new movies. A young man's game, I've learned. Uh, and it's also the other thing, too, is and I'm not one of those people that is. Uh, you got to be positive about everything. I believe this world could use a heavy dose of negativity a lot more. Uh, But I also, I've also been someone who enjoys talking about the things that I like more than the things I dislike. And I know there's an audience there for uh, people who just like hate on stuff. And that's not me. I don't enjoy doing that. I don't like talking about stuff that I don't like. So, Part of me is thinking about retooling this or just, I think this may go on an indefinite hiatus um, uh, just because of those reasons. And uh, <laughs> these two movies here are part of the reason. No, one, of them I, one of them I should say I liked. One of them I just didn't like. Uh, these two movies are Men and A Wounded Fawn. Uh, Men is di- written and directed by Alex Garland, who did Annihilation, uh, which I loved. Um, and he also he, he worked with Danny Boyle for a while as well. He's, he did something else. What am I, I, oh, Ex Machina. I like that one a lot, too. A young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband. Starring Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. The other one is A Wounded Fawn by a director whose work I have also really, really liked in Travis Stevens. This is written by Travis Stevens and Nathan Faudry starring Sarah Lynn, Josh Rubin, and Malin Barr. A serial killer brings an unsuspecting new victim on a weekend getaway to add another body to his ever-growing count. 
She's buying into his faux charms and he's eagerly lusting for blood. What could possibly go wrong? Fantastic IMDb synopsis there. Why am I grouping these two movies together? I have, like I said, I have the same problem, I think, with both of them. I have seen, uh, there have been a lot of movies recently that belong in the uh, men suck subgenre of movies. Like the, I've seen it called the dudes suck subgenre. And listen, listen, we've had a, quite a few lately, and with good reason. Uh, who am I kidding here? I've been a, I've been a man. I've been a dude my whole life. I know how much we suck. Um, and it's not that I don't, it's not like a, that I'm getting exhausted with those movies or like what they say. I agree. It's like, it's almost like, stop yelling at me. I agree. Um, but no, it's, it's that, um, both of these movies have female protagonists in the men suck subgenre. And both of them are told they're filtered through a male perspective and it comes across, I think a little bit more in men, but it comes across in a wounded fawn as well. I also don't know if I'm a Josh Rubin fan, uh, but anyway, uh, a, a wounded fawn at least provides a twist on it halfway through, but everything in men happens to Jesse Buckley. She is, and I know that is part of the point in the movie of the movie, but everything happens to her. She's not an active uh, participant of a lot. She's a very passive protagonist, and while I get that that's what the movie is going for, it does not make for the most interesting protagonist a lot of time. Like I said, I don't like talking about movies I didn't like. I just would rather watch a movie I didn't like and just go, I didn't like that. And then move on with my life. So, um, anyway, I I think there are other problems with men. Um, these movies, I don't think they, Wounded Fawn doesn't so much invert the horror structure. Men is very obviously trying to where the villain, and without giving too much away, the villain, is supposed to get more and more pathetic as the movie goes on and less threatening. That's great and all. Um, that's an interesting exercise. It just, uh, the last, uh, there's no tension for me in this movie. The last half of the movie, the last act of the movie, devolves into silliness. And once again, I think I think Garland is going for that. Um, I just don't think it's very, uh, I don't think it's good. I don't think it works. So, this is my least favorite Alex Garland movie. This is my least favorite uh, Wounded Fawn. I actually liked a little bit more. I, I don't want to... I lumped them together. It's part of the reason because I just wanted to get it over with. Um, but this is my least favorite of Travis Stevens' three movies. He also did Jacob's Wife and Girl on the Third Floor, the CM Punk movie. Maybe... Because CM Punk was in Jacob's Wife as well. He had a small cameo. Maybe CM Punk is his good luck charm. Um, and I prefer him to Josh Rubin. So, there we go. Um, I think... Wounded Fawn's Italian horror-inspired final act is more effective than men. They do feel like directors stepping outside of their comfort zone. They feel like interesting experiments. I just, n- Neither one of them worked for me. So no, uh, they are not on my honor roll. And finally, folks, we have arrived. The final movie that I will be reviewing for 2022 and I actually thought, like, man, maybe I'll, uh, I think, get yeah, Bones and All was on VOD. Maybe I'll rent it. And then I watched Terrified to, Terrifier 2. And I went, no, I want this to be the last movie I watched this year. The last new movie that I watched this year. This review is going to be on the shorter side because I'm going to talk about this movie a lot in a week or two when I uh, release my 
top 10 because, <laughs> spoiler alert, I loved Terrifier 2. After being resurrected by a sinister entity, Art the Clown returns to the timid town of Miles County where he targets a teenage girl and her younger brother on Halloween night. Written and directed by Damien Leone, starring Lauren Lavera, David Howard, Thornton, and Jenna Cannell. I love this movie. I wasn't like a huge fan of the first Terrifier. I liked it well enough. It was a, I thought it was a fun uh, movie to watch while you've had a couple, a couple beers on a Friday night. That was about it for me though. I thought it was a little bit slight. Um, I understood why Art the, Art the Clown and the performance um, of Art the Clown is uh, David Howard Thornton is terrific and it's a great look and I get why he caught on. Um, with a kind of grew a cult audience. And I think that's awesome. And I think it's really cool. I, like I said, I just found it a little bit slight and I found I, it didn't work completely for me. This thing though, Terrifier 2. Oh my God, did this work for me? This is on screen box now. I haven't got a chance. You can, you can, um, they offer a free trial. I think they also may search it out. I was able to find a, uh, promo co- code for three months for like three bucks. Um, think bloody disgusting or the screen box Twitter account maybe or Instagram account one of those two places I found it I thought on bloody disgusting the website but because they're they're tied in with screen box anyway I haven't got a chance to search around that much but I mean they've got a decent selection up there it's not as big as shutter and it's not as big as Tubi, but they're growing they're new um anyway when I first saw the length of this movie, I think 138 minutes is what it ended up being. I thought last year, because this has been finished, I think, for a while. I thought it was going to be around two and a half hours. And not like an hour and 30 minutes is that much different. But I went, oh my God, what are they thinking? What the hell? The first movie, first of all, I think this started, All Hallows' Eve was like a short. And then Terrifier 1 was like an hour and 18 minutes or something, hour and 20 minutes. And I went, oh my God, it's... Does the Terrifier demand uh, another hour? The answer is no, probably not, but I don't care. <laughs> like, I had so much damn fun with this movie. This is movie is, it's unpretentious. It's dripping with its love for horror, horror and the horror genre, specifically makeup effects and just effects work in general. Uh, 99% of, from what I read, was practical effects. Uh, the effects were done using practical effects. Uh, he said there's like a little bit of CG used for one of the shots. I don't know, but mo- this is mostly practical and it shows. Um, this feels, yeah, I'm going to talk about this more once I gather my thoughts a little bit more for the my top 10, but this feels like it was made by someone who loves horror um, and who loves practical effects. It feels like a gorehound, like a Fangoria, like old school Fangoria from like the 80s when it was all about like learning how how like Savini did his thing. Um, the scalping scene, there's a scalping scene in this movie where it completely won me over. (laughs) So he's in the bedroom with this woman. He spoilers a little bit for terrifier too, but this explains why I love this movie. He, he kills this woman. He like rips her limb from limb. He scalps her and stuff. And like, she's laying on the ground and you think it's over. She's like, crawling you think she's gonna die and art busts back through the door with bleach and salt and starts pouring it all over (laughs) 
sorry if I ruined this gag, but if this doesn't sell you on the movie, then I don't know what will. Um, and it's one of those things like it, you're not supposed to be laughing at it, but you're laughing at it. But it's also played really straight. Like it's not, it's not wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You buy that Art the Clown would do something like this because he thinks it's funny. He likes seeing what he can do uh, to the human body. That's part of that's part of what he enjoys. He's kind of a prankster in a way like Michael Myers, except on another level. He's like Freddy, except he doesn't make dumb jokes all the time, uh, like late era Freddy did. So yeah, this is a, I think it was made for like $250,000. That's the reported budget. I, I mean, whatever. Um, and it, it, yeah, it kind of, it kind of took over. Um, I do want to say this. I think what really worked for me. So this is too long. This movie is, it's a, and I can, I can tell you exactly what I would cut from this movie. And it's the dream sequence because it really serves no real purpose. But on the other hand, it kind of worked for me because it is, it is so weird and out there and he he gets to, they get to play with the effects and everything. Um, but also the link kind of works for me too, because it feels like an endurance test. It feels like I kind of wish I would have saw this one in the theater, honestly. And I don't say that about much. Um, it is nihilistic. It's nasty, but I think it has a good handle on the main characters as well. And I, I think this is what separates it from the first one for me. I really liked the main duo and main trio, the family in this movie. They're, it's kind of sweet. Um, the kid is kind of awkward and you kind of, you sympathize with him and you empathize with him. Sienna, the main character, I think she's really good. Uh, the actress is very good. Uh, there's an earnestness to it um, that I think balances out a lot of the grosser elements. Listen, this thing is not, this movie is not for everybody. Um, and honestly, I didn't know, I didn't think it was going to be for me as much as it was. But man, man, did I love Terrifier 2. And I'm kind of surprised by how much I loved it. I went on the Discord um patreon.com backslash Midwest podnet and started right after I watched it started raving about it. And I, I think I was a little bit over the top and in, in some things like I, I did the by thing where I called out movies about trauma again, listen, trauma is a real thing. I don't want to pretend like it's not I just like 90% of movies ever made are about some, some traumatic thing that happened to a person. That's what storytelling is a lot of the time, whatever. I just, I get a little bit exhausted with people saying every movie is about trauma um, this movie is not like this movie, uh, traumatic things happen to everybody, but it's not about that. It, it never loses sight of the fact that it just wants to gross you out and make you laugh and then make you laugh at how grossed out you are. Uh, Stephen King loved this movie and I can see why, because it seems right up his alley. And also it kind of reminded me of, uh, I'll get to it. It reminded me of Shawshank Redemption, but I want to, I want to think about why. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Terrifier 2, 1,000% on the honor roll. (laughs) It might end up being my favorite movie of the year. I I loved it. It reminded me why I love horror in the first place. So, there you go. That's it. That's it for the honor roll. Thank you, seriously, to everybody who's listened to even one of these, or like, even like 10 seconds of these, and then said, it's not for me. What's this guy's problem? Uh, Is he ever going to talk about the movies that he reviews? But um, I've had fun doing this. It's just, uh, yeah, the the next stretch of time is going to be a little bit busy for me on the personal side. So I don't know 
it's de- this is definitely not going to continue in the way I've been doing it, which is review five movies. I've thought about doing some different things, but this will probably be on indefinite hiatus. So for those of you who do listen to this, it's been kind of a fun bonus side thing for me to do a way for me to keep track and watch new horror movies. And, uh, I've enjoyed it. Hope you've enjoyed it. And, uh, I hope I've provided you a little bit of, uh, entertainment or at least just some time. At least I've helped you waste some time at work because that's what it's all about. Um, thank you once again. Uh, we are going to be back soon with a bunch of uh, holiday episodes you may have already hit your feet by the time you listen to this so hey everybody happy holidays happy new year whatever you celebrate whatever you don't celebrate happy day uh thank you everybody for listening um i'll see you next time with my with superlatives and top 10 bye